Hi, I'm Roger Blackmore. I'm the lead pastor at Genesis Church on Long Island in New York. Thanks for downloading our podcast. I hope it's a blessing to you. If you want to learn a bit more about our church, then check out our website, genesisli.com. And of course, if you live within traveling distance of us, we'd love to see you in person on Sunday morning, worshiping with us. So here's today's message. Enjoy. Now, on the traditional church calendar, today begins Holy Week, Palm Sunday. And uh, we have been in a teaching series called The Generous Life. And uh, really, it follows on right now. It really takes us into Holy Week because there is no more generous life than the life of Christ. And the fact He gave that life for us. So we're going to have a great focused Holy Week with our Palm Sunday service today, Tuesday talk, is going to be continuing our Easter experience talks. Friday at 8, we've got our Good Friday service. And then next Sunday morning, 9.30, live, we are going to have our Easter celebration. And I want to encourage you watching today just to pass word on to others, encourage them to worship with us on Easter. In fact, if you're watching on Facebook right now, if you haven't done it already, would you hit the share button in the bottom right-hand corner of your screen, because that will take this live stream and it will put it on your page. And so it's not just people on Genesis page who'll see it, but all of your friends potentially see it and get the benefit of it. So if you're on Facebook, if you hit the share just now, everybody will know what you're doing and they'll be curious and say, what's up with this? So if you do that, that would be fantastic. Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. Today, I, I, called, I called Palm Sunday the talk I want to share with you today. I call it the dawn of hope. I've done a lot of ministry in India over the years, and I, I love India. I love the Indian people. I love the church we're connected to there just outside of Mumbai, and I love Indian food. So it's like a win, 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 win. The only problem is I wish they'd bring the place closer. It's a heck of a journey. The first time I ever went to India was 1984. I went with a friend of mine by the name of Ian Green, and Ian and I went over, and we were going to do some teaching for a church in the city of Coimbatore in Tamil Nadu state. And and we got there, and we'd been there a day or two, and the pastor of the church said, what we're going to do today is I want you to come, and we're going to visit the, the orphanage that the church runs. So Ian and I get ready, and we, we go in the back of this old Volkswagen van, and um, we, we head towards this place, and then the van stops outside the gates, and I see all of these children, and they're all lined up. And uh, the pastor said, we'll wait a moment till they're ready. I said, ready for what? He said, well, they've all, they've all got rose petals, and they'll throw them down in front of you as you walk. And I said, really? Okay. And so we waited, and then he said, we're ready to go. And these kids throw all the rose petals, and they're singing a song, and we walk right up between them, and when we get to the end, they put flowered garlands around our necks. And you know something? I felt an idiot. It's like, um, I'm just Roger, and I'm, you know, I, I'm cool. If you just say, hi, Roger, how you doing? That's good with me. I, I don't need to walk on rose petals and have garlands. It was like, it was like too much. 
And a couple of days later, we were going to go to teach at the Bible college. I said, we're not doing roses, are we? <laughs> it's like, no, I was just so embarrassed, like, you know. On Palm Sunday, we remember one of the most outstanding entrances that there ever was. Jesus going into the city of Jerusalem for the start of Holy Week. And I want us just to remind ourselves of that story just now in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 21, with this Bible reading. When they neared Jerusalem, having arrived at Bethpage on Mount Olives, Jesus sent two disciples with these instructions. Go over to the village across from you. You'll find a donkey tethered there, her colt with her. Untie her and bring her to me. If anyone asks what you're doing, say the master needs them, and he will send them with you. This is the full story of what was sketched earlier by the prophet. Tell Zion's daughter, look, your king's on his way, poised and ready, mounted, on a donkey, on a colt, full of a pack animal. The disciples went and did exactly what Jesus told them to do. They led the donkey and colt out, laid some of their clothes on them, and Jesus mounted. Nearly all the people in the crowd threw their garments down in the road, giving him a royal welcome. Others cut branches from the trees and threw them down as a welcome mat. Crowds went ahead and crowds followed, all of them calling out, Hosanna to David's son. Blessed is he who comes in God's name. Hosanna in highest heaven. As he made his entrance into Jerusalem, the whole city was shaken. Unnerved, people were asking, what's going on here? Who is this? The parade crowd answered, this is the prophet Jesus, the one from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. So there we have it described for us by Matthew in his gospel, and um, it was an absolutely incredible, momentous day by the sound of it. I, I, I really you know, can't quite picture it. I, I've seen sort of some great celebration parades, like every second season when the Yankees go down the Canyon of Heroes because they won the World Series yet again. But I've seen those kinds of things, but I can't fully picture what went on this day. But the truth is there was an incredible amount of excitement and joy as Jesus came to Jerusalem. And there was a reason for that. The reason was that the people of Israel had looked for and longed for the coming of their Savior for generations. Over and over again in the Old Testament, it was foretold that a Messiah would come, that a Savior would appear. And then as the years went by, there came a period where at the end of the Old Testament or the last writings of the Old Testament by the prophet Malachi, who again speaks of the coming of the Savior, then for 400 years, there was like no prophet, no spokesman from God, nothing from God. And then Jesus was born. And Isaiah foretells his birth this way in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2. He says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. For those who lived in a land of deep shadows, light 
sunbursts of light. Suddenly, when Jesus was born, this darkness, there was a glimmer of hope and there was a glimmer of light for, for, for the folks who just looked and longed for and had nothing whatever from God for so many years. And as Jesus grew and began to move around the area, loving people, healing the sick, telling people about how they could connect with God and telling them all about God's kingdom, that, that little glimmer of light became brighter and brighter and brighter until as he came to make his entry into Jerusalem, the thought was finally now our conquering Savior has arrived. So they, the, the, the excitement was at fever pitch on Palm Sunday. And as Jesus came into the city, they took off their cloaks and they threw them down on the roadway in front of them. They cut branches from the trees and they put them down and they waved the branches and they shouted, Hosanna, which means save now. Save now. It's our time. Our moment, our time has finally come. And that first Palm Sunday, the people who were sitting in such gloom found an incredible hope because Jesus was right there with them. And for you and I, Palm Sunday 2020, a Palm Sunday like never before, I just want to remind you of this. If what you're seeing around you is darkness, if what you're feeling is desperation and gloom, I want to remind you of this. Today's a day of great hope, for the Savior is among us also. The dawn of hope was the coming of Jesus. So we embrace hope today and not despair. Hope instead of fear. Hope that dispels anxiety. The dawn of hope. Now, I'm just not trying to talk you up like, you know, you know it's kind of... Uh, Let's, let's say a few things to try to make people feel good because life stinks. Uh, that's kind of not what I'm trying to do this Sunday morning because if hope is for real, it's got to have a purpose or it's got to have a foundation. Are you with me there? Like there's got to be a reason for hope. And, and there is, and it is this. God is the foundation of our hope. God is the foundation of our hope. In Psalm 42 and verse 5, it says this. I love this psalm because the writer of this psalm, he's my kind of people. You know why? He's talking to himself. No, he is. Look. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? And then he tells himself, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And then, whether for his own sake or for our sakes, six verses later, he says virtually the same thing. Verse 11. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. I like that too, because I can identify with this guy. Because sometimes in a moment, I'm like, yay, God's got it, God's got me. But three seconds later, it's like, the sky's falling in. 
So he tells himself again, listen, hope in God. Hope in God. And there are a lot of things right now that you might be saying, well, you know, things like, hey, I hope I don't get sick. I hope all this ends soon. I hope I have a job to go back to. And we can all hope, but the fact is, it's still uncertain. I don't know. I can hope for things, and I can hope for an outcome, and I can hope certain things don't happen, but there's no guarantee of that. It's like when I was a kid, and, and some of you, those of you who are part of our church, you probably heard this story a hundred times, but just look interested. Don't sit on your sofa and roll your eyes. Okay? So, so when, when I was a kid, back in the 1950s, all right, when dinosaurs roamed the earth, back in the 1950s, um, uh, an incredible percentage of TV shows were actually Westerns. And uh, there were all kinds of cowboy heroes, and, and I loved it. Those were, they were fantastic. So I grew up with these guys as, kind of as my heroes. And, and one year, when, when my parents said, what do you want for Christmas? It was easy. I wanted a cowboy outfit. You get the whole lot, the hat, the vest, the pants with the whatever you call them. And I wanted a gun belt, and I wanted some good guns. And I, yeah, it was a different world, right? But, uh, but I wanted, you know, I wanted all the, I wanted the full cowboy gear. That was all I wanted. What else would you like? No, cowboy outfit. And, and that was it. I was like heart set cowboy outfit. Now, I had no idea how my mother and father struggled financially. I didn't know, you know, I was a kid. And I guess they couldn't afford it. And, and because my father was good with kind of woodwork, what, what my father actually did was he made desks for us, kind of like school desks for each of us who were kind of, there were four of us in a five-year range. And so when I go downstairs Christmas Day and we get ready to go in and get the gifts, I'm ready to go in and get my cowboy outfit and I go to desk. And there was stuff in the desk and there was some toys and there was this, that and the other, but there was no cowboy outfit. I was absolutely devastated because that was, I was just dreaming of and hoping for and I could see myself spending Christmas swaggering around the house like John Wayne and I couldn't wait for it. But I didn't know the picture behind the scene, as much as I hoped for it. It wasn't going to happen. God is the foundation for our hope. We can hope for this. We can hope for that. We can hope against certain things taking place. But listen to what it says in Psalm 42 and verse 5. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him. I want you to look at the next phrase. I will praise Him, my Savior and my God. You know what my hope is in? My hope is in the fact that He is my Savior and my God. It's not just wishful thinking. I'm not facing this coming week just with optimism. I'm facing it knowing that I can put my hope in Him because He is my Savior and my God. More than the Savior, He is my Savior and my God. And when it comes down to being that personal, that settles it. Psalm 39 and verse 7, here's what it says there. It says, but now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. That's all I need. 
All I need to know is I know God, God cares about me, and God can be trusted. Psalm 119 in verse 81, my soul faints with longing for your salvation, but I have put my hope in your word. God, my hope is in what you've said. My hope is in what you promise. My hope is not just in the latest news flash. My hope is in not just in this person It's quoted on Facebook who's an expert in this area. My hope, God, is in your word. That's the secret. This is a great time to be reminding ourselves of things God says. And if you're joining us for service today, and you might not be really well acquainted with the Bible at all, it seems a bit kind of obscure and obsolete to you, what I want to suggest to you is this. I want to suggest you go to the App Store. Don't do it now, just keep watching. Go to the App Store and in the App Store, look for the Bible, the Bible app. Probably first will come up is somebody else trying to get you to sell you their app. Probably the second one down has got a brown Bible on it, the Bible app. It is unbelievable. Literally millions and millions of people around the world are using this. And you can open that up and you can have the Bible there. It will offer you different translations. I thoroughly recommend the Message Bible. You know why? You can understand it. <laughs> I can understand it. It's in today's English. The Bible, the message translation, look for Mark's gospel and start reading it there. My hope is in God's Word, what God says. And you know, when we're mindful of what God says, we become hopeful people. You know, kids are probably some of the most hopeful people on the earth. They're positive, aren't they? Whether it's a birthday celebration, a Christmas celebration, whether it's you're going to get ice cream today or do you want to go and see this and do that, they're very positive. And then life takes over. And we grow up a bit. And hopes get dashed. And we come to a place where sometimes we don't dare to hope anymore. We become doubtful. We become skeptical. And God forbid, but sometimes we even become cynical. And then we, we call ourselves realists when we look at, lives, but at life, but we're not really realists. There are people who live by the motto, blessed is he that expecteth little, for he shall not be disappointed. But that's not how God wants us to be. God wants us to be people who are hoping in His Word. So we live in hope, and we live holding on to hope because God is the foundation of our hope. I'm, uh, I'm wearing a T-shirt today uh, that, that I love. It's, it's centered on a quote by the missionary pioneer David Livingstone where Livingstone said this. He said, I am prepared to go anywhere provided it is forward. I love that quote, okay? Take that from me, I'm with that too. I'll go anywhere so long as we're going forward. When Livingstone was getting on in years, after spending all of his life as an explorer and missionary in Africa, he was invited to go back to his native Scotland to be honored in his home country and particularly to receive an honorary degree from the University of Glasgow. As he 
came onto the stage to be presented with the degree and then to make a speech. The whole place went quiet. He stood there with his left arm hanging limp at his side where he'd been mauled by a lion. And he talked about some of his experiences in Africa where he had been laid down, laid low by severe fever over 30 times. He told of the hardships of life over there and said he was glad to endure them because he was a messenger of God. And here's what he went on to say. I'm quoting direct now. But I return, he was on his way back, I return without misgivings and with great gladness. For would you like me to tell you what supported me through all the years of exile among people whose language I couldn't understand and whose attitude towards me was always uncertain and often hostile? It was this, and he quoted words from Matthew's gospel, lo, I am with you always even unto the end of the world. On those words I staked everything, and they never failed me. It is the word of a gentleman of the most strict and sacred honor. So there's an end to it. Livingston said, I staked everything on what God said, lo, I am with you always, and I reckon it was the word of a gentleman of the highest and strictest honor. God said it, so it was for real. I want to remind you today what God says is absolutely for real, and in a very, very uncertain world right now, the, the thing that can help us to stay stable is this. The foundation of our hope is God. God is the foundation of our hope. I want to encourage you, stay focused on God. Tune into what God is saying. Make sure you remind yourself of God's promises. God is the foundation of our hope. Secondly, God is the future of our hope. I wonder what you were doing on Monday, October the 23rd in 2000. You may have just answered, but I can't hear you because you're in your den and I'm here. But I wonder what you were doing that night. I know what I was doing. What I was doing that Monday night was what I did every Monday night for seven years. I hooked up, linked up with a ministry to the homeless in Manhattan, and I drove through to Manhattan, and uh, I fed several hundred homeless people on the streets of the Lower East Side, Avenue, Avenue C and Ninth Street, right down from Tompkins Square Park. Every Monday night, that was the practice. Spent Monday evening with them and in a couple of other stops in the city just giving hot dinners to homeless people. It was often a long night. That night wasn't as long as many, which um, was very unusual. Now, back in 2003, we didn't have instant access to everything we wanted to know because we didn't have smartphones. So in our dumbness, we couldn't find everything out. Now, that Monday night, I mean, the only drawback, honestly, of going Monday nights into the city at a certain time of the year is I never got to see Monday night football. But, but I would keep in touch with the score. And that night, the Jets were playing the Dolphins, and they were both 5-1, and one, and, and whoever won that night was going to be the lead in their division. So I was, uh, I was curious, and I managed to find out just before I left the city what was going on, and it was ugly. It was the end of the third quarter, and, and the Jets were down 30-7. to seven. 
And, and even, even their broadcaster, Howard Johnson, said at that point, he said, with a whole quarter to go, the game's over. So that was it. I left the city and the Jets had got hammered by the Dolphins and that was it. I got home just after one o'clock in the morning and uh, I wanted to unwind. So I thought, you know, let's just turn on and see what's going on. And the game was still going on. Because to my incredible surprise and that of many football fans, the Jets in the fourth quarter scored 23 unanswered points to level the game to 30-30. Then Miami scored, then the Jets scored, and at, at the end of, of full time, it was 37-37. And I arrived home to see the game going into overtime. It's like, I can't believe this. It's after one o'clock in the morning. And some of you might remember this. It might be the last great night the Jets had, come to think of it. They actually won that game in overtime. It was incredible. Even their announcer said, with a whole quarter to go, the game's over. But that game became known as the Monday Night Miracle and is highly, highly noted as, as kind of the most exciting game of football ever. Now, if you know something of the Bible story, Palm Sunday was the start of the week. And it's easy to talk about the exuberance of the crowd, but we know it disappeared four days later. We know four days later, those same people shouted, crucify him, and asked for Jesus to be put to death. And you know, you could downplay Palm Sunday if you wanted and said, well, it didn't mean much because it didn't last long. But I want to remind you that the story of Holy Week did not end Thursday night going into Friday. The story of Holy Week runs from Sunday to Sunday, and it goes from the triumphant entry to the triumph over sin, death, hell, and the grave on Easter Sunday. You never call a game at the end of the third quarter. You never call a game at the end of the third quarter. And you may be this Sunday morning in a position where your hopes have been dashed. Your heart is broken. Your dreams have been shattered. But I want to remind you today that God is the future of our hope. And what God started, God will always finish. Life may have been going incredibly well for you, and then suddenly everything gets dashed. And I want to encourage you again today, hope in God. Hope in God. Psalm 48 verse 14 says this, this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide, look at this, even to the end. Even to the end. God will keep us even to the end. We need to be like Abraham in the Old Testament. God said, you're going to have a son. And he was nearly 100 years old and didn't have a son. His wife was almost 90 years old, didn't have a son. Here's what it says about him in Romans 4:18. It says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Let me read you that from the message's paraphrase. When everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway. Look at this next bit. Deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do. Stop living on the basis 
of what you see you can't do and start living on the foundation of God's promises and focus on what God said that He would do. The fact things are pretty difficult right now does not mean that God will not fulfill His promises. The fact you might be struggling in different ways right now does not mean the story is over. God is the future of our hope. Not our circumstances, not our best predictions, our hope is in God. Romans 5.25, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. What we're going through even should, should, really, should really drive us to be people with a stronger hope in God. And hope doesn't make us ashamed because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. God is the foundation for our hope. God is the future of our hope. And then let me just briefly share this with you as I kind of draw to a close. <laughs> Thirdly, God is the fulfillment of our hope. There's a verse in 1 Corinthians 15 that runs like this. It says, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all pity. Let's try that again. We are of all people to, most to be pitied. If our hope is only in this life, if our focus is totally on this life, the Bible says, that's pitiful. That's pitiful. But it's not. First John chapter 3 and verse 2. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, when we see Jesus, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. All who have this hope, here's the ultimate hope for us, folks, that it's not just about this life. All who have this hope in Him purify themselves as He is pure. The fulfillment of our hope. When I was a teenager, I was part of a, a, the church I was part of. We had a, we had a really good youth group, a real tight-knit group uh, that were part there. Um, there were two girls in the youth group, uh, Judy and Jill Parkins. They had been, the Parkins family had been missionaries in Africa, and uh, their mother had come home with Judy and Jill uh, for the benefit of their education as they got to, into their teenage years, uh, and their father was still in Africa. Now and again, he'd come home for periods of time, and I loved listening to him preach, Edgar Parkins. And what I loved about Edgar Parkins' preaching was, see, I came from a Pentecostal background, and, and back then, like most of our preachers ranted, you know, they were very demonstrative, and they shouted, and they, you know, and they were, and Edgar Parkins came as this very dignified, tall-looking, very English gentleman, and he would speak very gently very softly, very kindly, and he had terrific Bible insights. And last weekend, Judy Parkins posted on Facebook a link to an audio of her dad preaching. And I listened to it, and it was like, I'm taken back like over 50 years sitting listening to this guy. I'm a teenager thinking, wow, this is good. 
And he referred to a verse in Hebrews and brought something out of it that I'd never known and never seen. And, and here's, here's what it says there in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. It says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. So our hope, what anchors our soul, it says the anchor has gone behind the curtain. That's into the next life, into heaven itself. It's anchored there in Jesus, the forerunner. And Edgar Parkins brought this out. I'd never seen this before, but I've got to give him credit for it because that's honest. I don't want you to think I'm that brilliant because most of you know I'm not, okay? So what, what he said was this. He said, in th those days, when, when you were on, on, on a boat, if a storm arose, you would do your best to find your way to one of the small islands in the Mediterranean and just get around the side of it so that the island sheltered you from the fierceness of the storm. So, so they would row like crazy to get somewhere where, where, where they had some shelter. You wouldn't try to hit land because you didn't know what it was like. You didn't know what the rocks were like and the wildness of the sea might throw you on the rocks and, and, and the whole boat would be destroyed and you'd drown. But he said what they do, they would row in as close as they dared and then they asked for a volunteer, a strong swimmer. And that volunteer would tie a rope around himself and he would jump into the raging waters and head for the shore. Yeah, I wonder how many times they had to ask to get the volunteer. But anyway, so, so he would jump into the sea, he'd swim, and they would be anxiously watching from the boat to see now and again. They'd see his head in between the waves as the waves went up and down. And ultimately, he would get to the shore, and he would signal them to say, I'm safe, and I'm at the shore. And when he did that, they would take their end of the rope and attach a huge wooden anchor to it. And then he would pull the anchor in to the shore and find the most solid spot he could and put the anchor down. And they were safe. And you know what they called that guy who went there and swam ashore? The forerunner. And here's what the Bible says. While the storms of life are going on around you, never forget this, that our forerunner has gone on to heaven ahead of us. And he's anchored our hope in heaven. And we're going to make it there one day too. The fulfillment of our hope is that one day we will wake up in eternity and enjoy the blessing of eternal life. However strong the storm, we have an anchor. Keeps the soul steadfast, sure, while the billows roll. On this Palm Sunday, I want to remind you there's great reason for hope because God is the foundation of our hope. We trust Him and what He has said. God is the future of our hope. He will fulfill what He has said and bring us through. And our ultimate hope is in heaven itself. Over the last few years on Palm Sunday, it wasn't one of our traditions, but I know in the traditional church, palms are given out on Palm Sunday. And We've given out palm crosses on Palm Sunday for the last several years. Obviously, we're unable to do that this year 
So what we had done is, if you're part of our Genesis Church family, and uh, basically, you know, if, if we've got your data in our system, if you've given us your address, we did mail you a pound cross this week. If you didn't get one, please email us your address so that we can put you on to future mailings. If you didn't get a cross, maybe just to consolidate everything I've been saying, why don't you make yourself one today? It doesn't have to be a palms. You can make it of anything you want. And as you look at that cross, remember, Palm Sunday was a day of hope. And as you look at the cross, remind yourself, I have hope through Jesus. Amen. Let's pray together.